Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week we're doing another uh, Christmas break episode, so it's just another wrap-up of the year we've had, or maybe further back even. Um, I don't think it does go that far back though. It goes, it goes, what we always do at the end of the year is just have the best bitch from 2021. And my God... There are some good bits. There are some good bits, yeah. So we've uh, we've got some we've got some intro chat. We're talking about three peaks and running. I assume that's going to be you taking the lead on that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I think I'm talking about running and doing three peaks. And funny names. I don't think that one's me either. I think that might be. <laughs> well, uh, we established a couple of weeks ago that your new name is Charlotte Bob Job James, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's that. But yeah. Uh, we have three parts of interviews this week as well for uh, with Kieran Kieran White from Haven Mind, an interview with Janine Sanders, and an interview with Eric Scouts. Yeah, and that's uh, our show this week. Hope you enjoy. Yes. Now I've done a marathon, I need a new challenge in my life, right? And part what I'm thinking of is getting a crowd of people together to do something cool. And if you're listening to this in another country you might not know about this it's called the uh, three peaks challenge i mean russ has already volunteered which is amazing thanks for that russ no i don't think i will be mate and i will not be joining you either so who's coming then <laughs> you and your who's imaginary some... best friend oh <laughs> actually Phil from Boat Camp has already said he'd do it. I reckon I can get a few people more. So, the three peaks oh, yeah. challenge. You're going to do it. Oh, so amazing. Um, uh, Sophie's going to do it. But this, the three peaks challenge involves effectively climbing up three of uh, 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 the three largest mountains in England, Scotland, and Wales. Um, that might be my next challenge. It's either going to be that, or I was uh, I was in a meeting the other day with a client, and he told me that um, apparently there's a challenge that now I've run the London Marathon, if I also swim the Serpentine in Hyde Park and do a 100-mile bike ride from London to Surrey and then London again, there's a special uh, award for that. And you know how I love a little bit of medal bling for running, don't I? Oh, I thought you were going to say trophies. You're always trying to get trophies on the... It's not trophies, trophies more medals, but, yeah, all good. But, yeah, I did do a half marathon today. Um, I am a bit cold and fluey. I got round. It wasn't my best time. Uh, but I did get to run around the Olympic Park, which in, in London, uh, not in Tokyo. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind doing the Tokyo Olympic Park, actually. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, I mean, there's still active use at unfortunately. Yeah, managed to run around the Olympic Park. Um, finished uh, at the home of West Ham London Stadium. It was all good. Uh, and uh, the cold that... I seem to have pushed off uh, during the run and sort of come back now. So join us. Um, join us. Yeah, we've all been sick now. We've all we've all got a bit cold influence, right? So uh, it's it's all good. Uh, I know I know places like China and India listen to podcasts to learn English. Yeah. 
Christ on a bike, what are we doing to her? Whoopsie daisy. What are we doing? You do not want to be listening. I just, I just got this image of this Indian guy coming over and somebody going, what's your name? Uh, it's uh, Jack Dick, mate. What's, uh, <laughs> what's your name? That's exactly what I think. Microsoft tech support is a danger <laughs> talking just like you. <laughs> that would be amazing. Hello, this is Jack Dick speaking. Are you having a bubble? Why is um, it always Jack Dick? Uh, Why is it? It's not always Jack Dick. It sometimes... Somebody think of an Indian name. No. <laughs> Nobody's, but the reason it's always Jack is because I'm the only one who's prepared to say an Indian name. Russ, Pradeep, yeah. We know, a, we know a very nice Pradeep. Sunda. Sunda, I know a very nice Indian guy called Sunda. It's too warm for this. Have you, do you know any Indians? No. <laughs> you don't know one Indian? Uh, no. Is it, can that be right? You don't know one person who's Indian? <laughs> Right, I'm surprised. Right, hold on. Oh, hold on. Name another country, Russ. Uh we've been downloaded in South Sudan. What, do you know any South no. Sudanians? No. Funnily enough, I don't go around asking people <laughs> their nationality. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. But right, okay, let, let's just change this. Do you know any English people? Yeah. Okay. Russ? Yeah, I know a few English people. Good. Any Welshies? Oh, well, Wales. No. What are they called? Uh, do I? I think so. I'm not sure. Uh, I know a couple of Welsh people, Russ. I know a Welshian, yeah. Welshian? You know a Welshian? Good. Scots? Yes. Any Scots, Russ? Uh, now, is Cassie's mum actually Scottish? She is. I know one. Not for the not for the Euros final. She actually converted to Italian for the day, um, but um, we'll we'll work about that. So we know the Irish. Do we know any Irish people? Uh, my friend has Irish grandparents. Okay, and we've got Irish neighbours, so we know Irish people. Right. Let's make it a bit more difficult now. Right. Um, do you know any Polish people? Yes. Good. Polish is on the list. Russ. Yes. Any Lithuanians? No. I know a Lithuanian, Russ. Yes. Oh, we're now it's a it's a one on one battle between me and Russ. Russ, do you know no, any Sri Lankans? No. Okay, you give me one. Do you know any? Do you, I do know. Oh, a, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I know. Oh. Sorry, I do know one Sri Lankan. Oh, he's changed his tune now. Go on, and you've got to give me a country. Now, uh, you've got to genuinely know somebody from this country. Yeah, I know, one, I know one Sri Lankan. Uh, Sierra Leone. Has <laughs> he got your feet? I know somebody from Malawi. It's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not the same. Um, slightly different, mate. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know anybody from Zero Love, so Russ wins. <laughs> that was the most pointless game we've ever played on the Kindness Project, but we'll take it, won't we? Do you know somebody from this country isn't going to catch on any time soon, I don't think. Um, but The only way you win is by expanding your social circles. Well, I now need to know somebody from Sierra Leone. Who do you know from Sierra Leone, Russ? Uh, it, it's quite tenuous, really. When I was younger... I had, a, I had a social worker. He was called Somali Tarawali, and he was from Sierra Leone. 
Samari Tarawale. Samari Tarawale. I never forgot. He's the strangest. Surely, surely the the you'd expect a bloke called Somali to be from Somalia. And uh, oddly enough, I can remember he used to drive around in a Mazda when Mazda wasn't so cool. <laughs> Mazda's not cool now. Somali, Mazda driving Somali Tarawali from Sierra Leone. I like it. <laughs> that is like, he sounds like the weirdest detective story ever. Now, we, kindness news is back. You do know that because can I just say a massive thank you? I know she's not in the room. A massive thank you to um, Kelly. Let's talk about <laughs> kindness news. Kindness news. Uh, we... Uh, oh, sorry, you're done. done. <laughs> Kindness news. Rescuers find lost dog, Ollie. Actually quite personal, because we've got Ollie Smith on the podcast again this week. Oh, do we? Um, after swim of Paul's Cove. This is the moment an iron ally crew rescued a spring spaniel dog who went missing after going swimming in the sea. Ollie disappeared for three hours, sparking a rescue operation near Port Call, Bridgen, County. The dog went for a paddle at Newton Point but failed to return to shore, instead to continu- continue to swim out to sea, said its rescuers. He was eventually spotted three miles away at the base of a cliff at su- Southern Down, Vale of Lamora, Morgan, on Saturday just after 11.30 British Standard Time. We were delighted to find Ollie safe and well, having been spotted and assisted by a kayaker who had been in the area, said Simon M. Portugal RNLI. He seemed very happy to see us and enjoyed his ride on the lifeboat. Now, I'm wondering whether Ollie's out for a swim, his boat rides up and drags him out of the water. He's like, what are you doing? I'm still, I'm still having a swim. Ollie was gone for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I don't know how, how long the uh, I didn't swim for a dog is. Maybe Ollie Not that long. Oh, okay. Okay. Newfoundland. Right. And what, what I've just realised, even though we've moved on to kindness news, um, because of our state of um, uh, cold and flu, we haven't done the question of the podcast this week, have we, Russ? Producer Russ didn't remind us about QOTP. No. What? No. What? <laughs> um, so the question of the podcast this week is, what was your favourite Cluedo character, wrong answers only. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just remembered last week. Why la- what happened last week? Last week we were recorded for this. <laughs> we were given answers for this question. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Cluedo characters, wrong answers only is what we want. Um uh, so who who do you think um should be highlighted uh, as a character they should include in Cluedo? Um, uh, but um, don't yet. Yeah. And what was your answer, Russ? <laughs> can you remember from last week? I mean, listeners can go it and was, check, but it was the hooker in the library. The hooker in the library never played a game of Cluedo in his life, doesn't realize its title and then color. So he comes up with the prostitute in the library. <laughs> Woman of the night. Just out of interest. the shelves. <laughs> Just out of interest. What's she reading? <laughs> what's that? What? What's she reading in the library? I don't know. Okay. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't right. Right, okay, wrong wrong answers only on that, and we'll look forward to reading them out you know next what week. That isn't included. The dead body. 
Yeah, no, it, no, no. The dead body has got a name. I can't remember what the name is. The dead no, body is a. No, it's. I'm pretty sure, and again, if any of our listeners know, they can let us know. But I'm pretty sure it's Mister Something. Yeah, it's the owner of the mansion. Yeah, but he's got a, a colour-related name. I don't know, because... Black? I don't know. Yeah, it might be black. Okay. Well, like, you don't get a little piece to put his dead body. No, and you wouldn't be moving about much <laughs> anyway, would you? Um, anyway, let us know, and let's get on with the show. Your organisation does... Um, conduct training so what what sort of training is it what is that all about yeah so over the years we've done um numerous training sessions or training courses um primarily the the two i suppose the two main ones are what we call mental health awareness or the mental health first aid now mental health awareness is probably a i mean i can tailor it it's you know it's either an hour long presentation or or, or a talk or a two-hour one and we've delivered that to all sorts of different people to businesses to schools um you know to the pupils themselves in schools and it can be all be tailored to the you know to the right audience and the whole point of them really is just to give people a bit of a boost and an understanding in what you know what mental health is what well-being is how they can look after themselves it's not you know trying to make them experts in it because you know you need to no one's an expert in it really are they um and the mental health first day is a little bit more intensive. It's like a two-day course, um, again, a little bit more, you know, a bit more detail about mental health. But we've run them, you know, over the course of God, a few years now, over COVID. Um, obviously, we, we, we couldn't do them in person. So I was doing a lot of virtual stuff, a lot of virtual sessions on Facebook as well. And the whole point really is just to try and, as I say, try and raise as much awareness as we can about mental health and obviously about the... About the but, charity. I, well. I, I mean, I've had this conversation quite a lot with um, a variety of different people, and I think mental health first aid is an interesting one because it it's that element where you're solving a problem uh, at when somebody's potentially close to crisis point, and I think that element of how do we encourage more positive mental health and greater well-being is important particularly in places of work at the moment right as people are going through that transition so how do we not only deliver you know the support to the people who need it when they need it but also make sure that you know i suppose in my head the prevention is always better than the cure isn't it so how do we encourage yeah. more positive well-being and more positive mental health in your opinion a lot in which we can do i mean obviously you know I'm, I'm, a lot of it involves um you know services let's face it, it involves funding you know for the for the right services but not just i suppose not just when a person is unwell but doing things going to be preventative and going to make you know their well-being their well-being increase so i suppose in every aspect of life you know you you can implement that in a in a workplace environment you can implement things that are going to improve people's well-being in schools um you know in our own private lives you know doing things um that you know that are going to improve our well-being things like gardening things like connecting with other people things like exercise healthy eating that stuff it's all very much it's not a lot of it is not rocket science a lot of it i think mostly people know anyway um and it's just i suppose 
reinforcing that sort of knowledge into people and just getting people to understand that talking about it and you know um i suppose reaching out for help um you know when they're starting to feel down or starting to feel a bit anxious or whatnot is the best thing to do rather than just bottling it up and letting it all escalate and you know it's a little bit like the domino effect isn't it one domino goes and it sort of cascades down into other other aspects of a person's life so yeah, it's all. I I think it's all about awareness. Yeah, just just uh, and again, just making sure that people are aware that you know, uh, thinking or feeling a certain way, it, the the stigma about that is reducing over time, and it, it's it's good to open up. And I suppose I suppose that you know the the, the other question that springs to mind is that gateway uh, service you provide. Are people normally phoning in crisis or at a point where they're thinking, actually, I am feeling a little bit differently and I'd really benefit from talking to somebody? To be honest, it's very, very uh, uh, varied. It can be people that are ringing up, you know, in in crisis and might might be suicidal, might be, you know, really, really in distress. Or it could be people that have, you know, tried other things and they just want to ring up and find out. It could be in a lot of cases as well, it's, a family member or a friend of someone that's ringing up, you know, for advice, um, you know, saying, I've known my son or my daughter is, you know, going through such and such, you know, help me, you know, basically. So it can be very, very, so very, very, somebody trying to support somebody who's having mental health challenges and, and uh, yeah, gotcha, I understand that. Um, but yeah, now that, that, that's interesting. Charlotte, do you want to do a question? Seven, uh, seven yeah. Um, so what are three ch- tips to help our listeners improve their mental health? Well, that's a good one. Uh, I would say I, I'll use the ones that I suppose are, are really good for me. To be honest, I, I use it for a personal thing. I think exercise. I really, really like doing exercise, um, and not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, buy a really expensive membership or anything like that. But just general activity, keep on moving, doing sort of simple things. One of the great ones that we be ours uh, actually and that i'm really looking forward to when our um, clients get back i'm really looking forward to showing them there's walking exercises that you can do walking it's like walking on the spot you follow these youtube videos and you're doing it's like light exercise and it's really really good for your you know for your overall mood so i would definitely say that one um doing things that are gonna um what's the word help help you understand also perhaps researching or doing things like self-help and stuff like that um just to learn i suppose about well-being i think i'm very much a um you know i'd like to fill my head with lots of information i suppose that's not necessarily the best thing for everybody to do especially get information overload um but you know i I like to learn about it you know understand it watch documentaries and you know things like that about it um, and then I would guess probably one of the most important ones and, you know, one that I think everybody can appreciate over the past year and a half is is connecting, you know, with other people, having that connection, keeping in touch with people. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go and see them face to face. You can do, the, you know, the beauty of, um, you know, modern day technology, all of these things like Zoom and, uh, you know, FaceTime and even sending text messages and things like that. Can you imagine what, you know, back in the 50s or in the 60s, if COVID happened then and you had that lockdown then, just how many people would have been isolated back well, then? Because, you know, to, to be honest, Kira, no one had mobile phones. I don't know, because despite this disheveled look, I'm clearly not old enough to, to have uh, seen the 50s no. and 60s. So, so, Charlotte, what, what do you reckon it was like in the 50s and 60s? Um, the 50s and 60s were like the 50s and 60s. 
<laughs> okay, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at the last time we had a pandemic, which was 1919, something like that. It was, uh, yeah. Um, uh, actually, the one of the things that we've been able to do this time is just communicate, you know, to keep people safe a lot more quickly and a lot more speedily using technology. Um, and I suppose that's yeah. the... Yeah, we, we, we do we do live in a society where we are able to connect around the world um, very quickly mm. and easily. And I, I think you're right. I think it has mm. it has been a it has been a, a sort of you know uh, a what uh, one of the things that's made the last fifteen months a lot easier. However, technology I think can also create its own mental health challenges um and as society changes we need yeah. to be aware of that what do you think on that um i definitely think it can create its own challenges especially with younger people um because of technology becoming sort of a replacement for real life real world role models as well yeah real which world. is not a healthy sort of expectation to set for oneself well, yeah yeah i mean it, it is a I think we've got to be careful, particularly with technology, in terms of comparisons. One of my favourite quotes is, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. You spend your life... Thief of joy. Yeah. You spend your life... I know that quote. ...others. Um, You're never going to live the life that you're going to love. And I I think that's part of the challenge, isn't it? So, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so, well, I just recently here in Victoria in an actual curriculum, school curriculum, we now have social and emotional intelligence in the curriculum. Oh, amazing. Assessed. Yeah. yeah. Now, how they assess it will be very interesting, but they're actually yeah. just taking um, notes about how kids are interacting, um, you know, how they're treating each other. Mm. Sometimes people... Um, a really great idea I love is that you might read a storybook, you know, um, and then have some questions and kids sit in a circle and they talk to each other and communicate because, we, you know, we're finding a lot of kids aren't learning the skills of communication either. Yeah. So yeah. sitting in that circle, asking a question, what do you think about this? One child speaking and then listening to another child politely, um, you know, just generally how they're interacting in the classroom and what kind of ways um, and and working on that. And mm. hence why I do have books in that space with teaching lessons so that the teachers can, you know, Finds have have a basis for how they can begin those lessons. Great, and so, yeah, they do have that accessible now here in Australia. Amazing, which is, it's really great. Yeah, yeah that's, that, amazing. That, that, that's... Because I think in UK, if I'm not wrong, I'm not sure, but it seems pretty much an emphasis on academic ability. Would that be so right? it goes? It goes. I think it goes in waves. Um, uh, but certainly at the minute, I mean, I've got I've got one daughter who's um, who's uh, just in uh, primary school, and then I've got one daughter who's just finishing uh, the last year of secondary school and going to college. Um, and certainly for the second for Charlotte who's sixteen, the focus is 
purely academic. So so much so much so that um, it, it, it's an interesting one, and I don't know whether this is particularly good parenting or not. But I had, I had this conversation. So she's quite academic. She's going like I, I don't know how they grade exams in Oz, but um, we we've changed ours now from it used to be from A to F, and now it's from one to nine. Nine being the best one, and she's on Charlotte's on for about sevens and eights um but she's in she's she's in she's in a position where she's finding herself putting herself under a lot of pressure to get eights instead of sevens um and i what i wanted to do janine is actually enjoy it as well so i want her to enjoy the experience so i did say to her the other day in 10 years time what's going to matter I don't think it will matter whether you got a 7 or 8 in one subject so I want you to work hard but I want mm. you to cope well with the experience by not by realising that it's not the end of the world because I think I think kids of that age think that that's their life um, and certainly when you're a bit older it gives you a bit more perspective on you know doing well but also and I want her to work hard but also uh, just just taking the time to relax a bit absolutely and I think we actually need to unpack that with older with teenagers as well yeah. like I think in our schools what we actually need and this is what I would love to see and I'm pushing for this in Australia but you know who's listening to me right now <laughs> but um, I would really love to see like a counsellor slash teacher so three days a week they unpack in a lesson with the kids things like uh, empathy and kindness, cyberbullying, pornography, sex education, yeah. drugs, um, all of the things that, you know, social media, yeah. cyberbullying, all the things that kids are, you know, on the edge of a press, precipice with but have no guide rail, I think. Yeah. They need help with this. They need help to unpack that. Yeah. So this teacher would unpack that with them and then two days a week they would counsel them yeah. so that they would... The kids know this person. They're comfortable with this person. There's a relationship of trust, things. isn't There's there? There's a relationship yeah. of trust. And they'll go to them if they're feeling bullied, if they're feeling suicidal, if they're feeling anxious about their studies. Yeah. That's what I'd like to really see in all our schools because, you know, worrying too much about how you're going academically is can actually be, you know, we know particularly with girls, it can come out in all sorts of ways. And yeah. in, um, in the case that I know of, actually... Um, in a in, in a very dangerous ways so um i think if we had that kind of teacher that would be amazing but you also need to tell your daughter my jesse she she studied pretty hard but she wanted to be a photographer so she got in and she did photography and she got a degree in photography and fine arts then she went off traveling for a year yeah. then she came back she did a year of gender studies then she did a master's in social work and now she's at 26 campaign manager for youth justice okay. Jesuits so you don't always go the way you well that's the thing yeah. and, and you know what it's it's interesting because I was, I was talking before we started the the fact that we we went to Japan we've got, we've got another really good trip um, planned this year I wanted to have some really 
diverse life experiences that are not just based on what grades you got on a piece of paper. Because um, then, as you as you say about that social side, I mean, I, certainly I know you've travelled a bit. For me, travel is the it broadens the mind, doesn't it? It's that you know, if you're going to have a conversation with somebody and you've been to a certain place and li- lived a uh, like. It, Sort of been in a certain culture, it it allows to to have an interesting thing. But yeah, I uh, it, it's a weird one because uh, I think um, being a parent is the only is the only job you don't get an instruction manual for. And I'm still trying to make it up as I come along uh, to a certain extent. But we'll we'll I get think, there. I think as a parent, as with teachers, the yeah. most important thing is that you give children a voice, you respect them, yeah. you listen to them. And, you know, you don't shut them down. Yeah. You allow them to say, well, actually, I don't like that. Yeah. And, or, and you, you know, why? what's going on for you? Like, yeah. actually get down on your knees at their height and yeah. listen to them. And I think that that's what a lot of people are sort of missing. They're just their lives are too busy. Yeah. Just stop and take that time and find out what's really going on for your child. Well, I think, I think you used it, like, when you were talking about what, the kids need um i think the word counselor is really interesting because i think like just trying to be a bit of a wise counsel with your kids is not not being there to tell them you've got all the answers but just being there to listen and guide is uh it is is the is the potentially the way to do it but what do i know um Changed when they became adults. Is that? Look, it's, I actually think it's more difficult to tell you the truth because you know you can't you can't sort of say right, get packed up, we're going now, <laughs> you know, we're going off, and you're going to get in the car because you know we have to be left. You know, you can't do that anymore. Mm. So it's actually quite quite difficult. Yet yeah. you really want to have that lovely relationship with them. So it's a very fine line. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I do try to. Um, wait till I'm asked a little bit more about what I think about things and just hold my tongue a bit more than I would probably just so I understand why I'm I'm a particularly bad teacher what three attributes uh, do you reckon are the most important when you're teaching oh my god it's so funny because I just told my roommate the three attributes literally three attributes because he's very mathematically minded and I think he would make a great teacher but this is what I said you have to know three things like they're saying you have to know what you're teaching know your curriculum right know your subject you have to know the student who you're teaching to and the third and most overlooked one is you have to know yourself because if you don't know yourself you're going to end up on the cover of the la times with a kid wrapped up in duct tape in the corner (laughs) (laughs) and that's actually that's literally happened Uh, amazing I, i i i I've I've realised I think part two and part three. Even though it's my own daughter, I've still got some work to do. Um, uh, tell me, 
tell me a little bit about um tell me a little bit about your proudest moments when you're working with the kids in in grades for good uh, tell me a story that that you're really proud of okay well i i can't say it was necessary like i said we've only been around for maybe a month now okay so so my real i i know that my proudest moments are ahead of me yeah. i'll say that for grades for good but as far as being a teacher in general one of my proudest moments was having a kid during during my last few years of being having my own classroom a kid from maybe four or five years before came in and I said, I, and I forget the kid's name now, I'm sorry, whoever you are, but you're a wonderful person, came into my classroom and I said, hey, how are you doing, so-and-so? And he said, I'm doing well, Eric. And uh, Mr. Skaggs, he called me, but it, he said, um, you know, I, I've been going, I said, how's college? He said, I'm just about done. I've decided to be an English teacher. And I said, wait a second, you, you were gonna go into like engineering or something like that. And he said, it was your class that turned me oh. to literacy and the, the power of stories and what that could do to inspire people to do good. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And what does the future look like? You're looking back on this in 10 years time going, we, oh, we interview you in 10 years right. time and you tell me, Chris, this is where I've got, got grades for good to. Where, where, what does that look like? Um, like national. Okay. Like, like, not in the sense that grades for good as its own entity is across yeah. the nation, but that we've created programs that we want to share with other tutoring agencies so they yeah. can implement the same. And if they don't have their own nonprofit, to collaborate with nonprofits, because that's where the okay. whole idea for grades for good came from. And in South Bay LA, where I grew up in Redondo, we started, uh, we've been helping a nonprofit called uh, the South Bay Children's Health Center. They take care of the physical, the mental, and the educational well-being of those communities. And we were the conduit for the academic well-being of those kids. Yeah. So when I moved down here, I said, let's create a nonprofit for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is that collaborative process, isn't it? Finding people it that, that share the same values of, as you, that you want to want share that share that message and what what gets you up in the morning what is it that like sort of because because clearly given the shell of a business and saying off you go is a bit of a challenge right you know let's let's not do it that. Is. um what gets you up and makes you think you know what i'm i'm sort of i'm ready for today <laughs> um to-do lists very pragmatically i create to-do lists because like you said if you about all the different things that you want to do, let alone all the things that you have to do, normally you would feel overwhelmed and you're just going to stare at the wall for the next half hour you know, or you're not going to want to get up. But I often create to-do lists and from those to-do lists spiral into subsets of what little things that need to be done. And I'm always like the kind of can do, want to do, not only can do, but want to do. And I've and looking back, almost 50, much older than you, sir. But, <laughs> but Rick, you're looking you're looking a lot better, mate. I've got oh, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I look like you when I'm nearly 50, I'm winning. <laughs> well, there, I'm your inspiration. Keep going. Don't worry. Get up in the morning. You've certainly got a better tan, but oh, but well, but I mean, I'm, I'm I'm in London, mate. I like well, I, just, I can't do much about that. 
Well, let me just preface: I'm half Mexican, so. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you so, could, you, you, you're winning around. You're winning yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, when I write those lists, I keep them in my my head, and and you know, I can go to sleep knowing that things are in order. I have a basic roadmap of what I want to do the, the next day, who I need yeah. to speak to, and what I need to get done. And I've been like that since. Since high school, I had a, my own students for social awareness group. Um, in, in college, I wanted to con continue playing rugby. I know over in the UK, you guys love rugby. I loved it too. I had a, um, a friend from South Africa that okay. when we were 10 years old, his father in an app South African accent said, you're going to be my scrum half. I'm like, what is he talking about, Ryan? And he was like, oh, you'll find out in a few years. Never mind. But I wanted to continue playing when I went to my community college. They didn't have a rugby club. I created the first community college rugby club in Southern oh, California. Amazing. Amazing. So that's, that's I've amazing. always been a can-do person. Yeah. Great. No, I, I, I love that attitude. And, and, and you're, so, uh, you're an English teacher. What's yeah. your favorite novel? Um, probably Lord of the Flies. Okay. Okay. And not not because I now, taught it for like ten years, but <laughs> now for a, for a, for an English teacher, an educator to like Lord of the Flies, it's a bit of a dystopian, um, pessimistic book about kids. I think, I I I think it's an interesting one. You know what I read the other day, and because mm. Lord of the Flies is a classic, it's front to mind. Uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm. I haven't read it for 20 years, and it's a really interesting read. Um, that was the dull, junior year. Yeah, very, very, very good. And that was Podcast 206. Have a lovely week. We'll see you next week for Podcast 207, uh, and I hope you're doing well. Bye. Bye.